You're listening to the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. On today's episode, I am interviewing Raymond Porton. Ray is the principal at Indian Hill Elementary School, the home of the Chiefs, located in Round Lake Heights, Illinois. Ray and I discuss how his leadership style was shaped around building relationships with others. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am excited today to have my guest. Hey, Ray, welcome, welcome to the show. How you doing? I am great, man. I'm excited we're going to finally get a chance to make this happen. You know, just like anyone else, you've heard a couple of these episodes. We always start off with the uh, connections before content. We're going to do that in the GTKY format. So I'm going to ask you five simple GTKY questions. You're going to flip five back at me, and that's how we'll get started. All right? I've been waiting for this. All right, brother. Number one, if it's a real simple one. All right. Um, thinking about if you could have a movie made about Ray... Who would play you? What actor would play you, Ray? Oh, my God. Who? I, I don't know his name, but the guy who played in the TV series Shooter. He was like the main uh, Marine. Okay. Um, I, I can't think I, of his name. I, I can see it, but you're with me. I, I know who I know who you're talking about. You pick someone. And so um, so for me, I would pick Bruce Willis. You know? Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, I do get occasionally I get called the Pawn Star guy. I forget his name, Rick or something. Rick lot of, from Pawn Stars. Yeah, yeah. yeah Some people are like, "Are you Rick?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Rick from Pawn Stars." But uh, all right, that's a good question. Question number two. All right, if you are needing to be like lifted up, pumped up, cheered up, what song are you going to play? What What's going to be that song that you're like, oh, "I got to listen to this song because it takes me into a better place." Um, honestly, it's usually something from like real big fish, like old 90s ska type music. Um, just that heavy beat. It reminds me, my little brother used to have a Volkswagen Beetle and the only music we were allowed to play in that was ska music, according to him, because it was just a fun car. You had to have fun music. So when I'm thinking of something that I want to like have something that's upbeat and fun, that's what I used to go to. Okay. Well, Hey, question number three, I'll go right there. What was your first car? First car that I owned was yes. a 98 Chevy Cavalier. Just real basic. Um, Mine was a 1976 Chevy, or I don't even know it was a Chevy, a Capri 2. It was okay. yellow, like flipping canary yellow. So you really could see it anywhere. But it was. <laughs> I worked nine, I paid $900 for it. I worked all summer with my mom at the food stamp caseworker. I filed all summer and I saved up $900 to pay cash for that 1976 Capri 2. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yellow car. All right. That's three questions. Questions number four. Um, simple question. How do you like your eggs? Over medium. Over medium. Over medium. Yeah. Okay. So not too runny, but yet not too hard, right? In that yeah. I mean, and preferably closer to over easy than, than hard boiled or over hard. But yeah, I don't like it when like the white is still. Gotcha loose. I'm with you. I got you. All right. Last question. Question number five. All right. So thinking about sports, right? If you could go to any sporting event to watch any sports team, obviously not mid pandemic, but let's just say where, where would you go? What sports team would you love to go see? Bears in the Super Bowl. Bears in Hands the down. Super Bowl. Hands down. Hands down. 
All right. I remember the share, the, the, the Super Bowl shuffle back then. Yeah. 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 I heard, yeah. <clears throat> man, it's interesting, man. Bear, and, and this year, you guys are doing pretty well. We're winning ugly. We're winning. <laughs> if hey. we were one and four with the way we played, it wouldn't surprise me. But I'll take the four and one. Okay, because obviously I'm just going to say that as a Cowboys fan, you guys are doing much better than we are. Yeah, yeah. That loss to Dak was huge. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I got one bonus question. I always ask everybody this. All right, Ray, if you were hosting the Relationships and Learning Podcast, who's going to be your first guest? Oh, man, you've had them on the show already, but probably Jeffrey Prickett, Dr. Jeffrey Prickett. Okay. Um, partially because he's an old friend and I just know it's great content. I know we'd have fun with it, uh-huh. um, but he's just got so much knowledge. Like uh, He's a mentor of mine. I just love the man. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad I had him on, man, because I really, really thoroughly enjoyed that episode. And thanks for reaching out and, and giving me that feedback, man. All right. So you got All five right. questions. GTKY me. I have five for you. All uh, right. What's your guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, I can't G- show that you don't want people to know what you actually watch. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, oh, man. Well, I can tell you that, like, I watched Tiger King, and I don't really, like, announce it. I, I mean, that was really, like, I totally got into it. I watched Me the too. Fo- I totally watched, like, the follow episodes with <laughs> everybody. Like, anything that followed up with it, I, I went down all the bunny trails. Of oh, I did, Tiger, too. I was Tiger. down the rabbit hole on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but Tiger King would probably be the one I'd go with. Okay. All right. I would probably go with Below Deck on, like, Bravo. Like, oh, it's just okay. trash, but I I, I, <laughs> I love it. If you could be any animal in the world, what would it be? A lion. Oh, wow. Tattoo. See my, see my tattoo. Oh, wow. Nice tat. Yeah, brother. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, lion. Okay. I'd probably go with silverback gorilla. Um, okay. Partially because my boys always call me a gorilla anyway, so <laughs> it's just kind of an inside family joke. Um, all right. If you could warp anywhere in the world for 24 hours, where would you go? I want to go to Greece. I just have grease on my mind. I have you never been. You're like the third person I've heard give me that answer when I've used this question before. <laughs> well, I, it's such isn't. I mean, with the pictures and it's the beautiful. videos just draw yeah. you in, right? I've ne- and I've never been, so I'm like, yeah. I gotta go. Yeah, uh, I said I'd go to Galapagos Islands for that one. Okay, like, go see that. I I just think it'd be awesome to see. Oh, good deal. All right. Um, what movie can you watch over and over? Uh, the Green Mile fantastic yeah man it, i don't know what it is about that movie uh it's just i don't know it, it's 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 a fantastic movie for me yes. i really like so it. powerful no so Absolutely. powerful um i'd go to shawshank redemption i i love that movie i could just sit, and i know it's not the most uplifting movie but i could oh no that over and over. well no so ryan asked me earlier today if i could if i could watch one oh, there was something about if i had to watch one movie something anyways shawshank redemption was my answer yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then last one. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what is uh, it? This question right here. Um, it's going to be tacos. I'm I'm South Central Texas. I am a okay. taco fanatic. Tacos are a staple of my diet, and uh, my body reflects it. And so, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> and you tacos. can eat them every way. Like, oh, I know so that's many right. ways you can do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, that one's a hard one for me. I'm a big foodie. So I don't, um, I'd probably go more along lines of like 
Asian seafood or like sushi type of food because I got gotcha. you. You can do a lot of different things with it, but I, I totally agree. And you're right, Asian cuisine is actually my go to. Like, if that's yep. yeah, so I, I'm with you on that too. All right, brother. Hey, that was awesome. Simple GTKY question. So, that was connections before we jump into today's content. So, just like we do in the classroom, we're going to model here on our show. So, for our listeners, I've got a new call to action. You're going to head over to rclfirst.com and you can either get those. GTKY questions, or we're giving you opportunities to sign up to join our free circles that we facilitate on Zooms on Monday evenings, Thursday evenings, and Saturday mornings. So head over to rclfirst.com and you can join our circles. It's free. Click on it. You don't even have to know anything about circles. It's about connecting with other educators. If you just want to feel valued, seen, and heard, this is a great way to connect with other people that are either struggling or feeling as successful as you are in education right now. And those are free opportunities. Um, They are hosted by Denise uh, Circle. Mama Holiday, my co-founder, every Monday, Thursday, or Saturday. Just head over to rclfirst.com to click on the orange link in the right-hand corner. This is Join Circle Time. All right, Ray, got that out of the way. Let's get going, man. So I want people to know more about you, just like I want to know more about you. So give us the rundown. Give us the 411 on who you are and what you are about in education, brother. All right. So I am a elementary school principal first through fifth grade. I have about 440 students in Round Lake, Illinois. I am, well, I mean, going to my family, I'm the oldest of three boys. Uh, and, and my parents, um, my mom, her mom was hundred percent Japanese. So that played a huge influence on my life. Having my grandma be Japanese. I've been to Japan a couple times in my life. Luckily, uh, my brother actually now lives in Japan and just got married last last fall. So I got to go out to Japan to see his wedding. And now I'm, I'm married with two boys of my own. They are in fifth and third grade. They're amazing. My wife is just a saint for dealing with me and my schedule and, and the two boys. Um, it's funny because she grew up the youngest of two, but she had an older brother. So she got a little taste of what it was like to have a, a boy in the house. And now she's got two boys of her own. And she's like, it's nothing like what I was as a kid. I'm like, nope, nothing like it. Like, and she's a very quiet, um, reserved person in the first place, and I'm not. And so, like, I think the boys take more after me than her, which, again, she's a saint. Um, but no, it, it, so, you know, that's my family. I have been in education now for um, just about 20 years. I've been in administration for the last 10, where I started as an assistant principal at the middle school level. Um, and now I'm an elementary school principal. Prior to that, though, I taught elementary school. I was a fifth grade teacher. Um, I did do a year of a dean position at a middle school um, before they they got rid of the position altogether for budget cuts. And then I went back into the classroom for two years to do uh, seventh and eighth grade social studies, which was really cool because it was in the same district I was a fifth grade teacher in. So I had the same students that, as they came up. And that was really neat to see how much they've grown. Um, now they're getting married and living on their own. And that uh, you know, I'm follow I'm friends with some of them on Facebook now, and they are just amazing people, you know, like some of them, I'm just in awe by their stories and what they're doing. And I'm like, wow, I knew you when you were in fifth grade, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they, they tell me about, you know, how they, the things they remember from when I was their teacher and it's nothing about education. It's about the way we interacted. It was about the relationships we had. And, and that's been, that's been me my whole career. I have always believed in the relationship side of school. Like, you know, not that you have to be everybody's favorite, but you got to get along. They got to respect you. You got to respect them. There's got to be that relationship or, or students don't get the full, um, full 
a opportunity to learn. So uh, that's what I do now. I try to really push that in my in my building. Um, climate and culture are huge for me in my building. I want to build that. Um, it's funny because I I just got defined the difference between climate and culture to me in a way that I've never really heard before. All right, I like this. We used to always put them together, you know, climate and culture. And someone said, you know, climate is the way you're building and you do things. Culture is how everybody feels about it and how, and the feeling you get when you're in your building. And so I really liked that definition because then it's like, okay, the climate is what's important, what we're doing, how we do it. The culture is how we want to make people feel and how we want to feel. So it really helped me kind of define when I want to address that, like, what are we doing there? Um, Because that's always been big to me when I came into my building. I was like the fourth principal in six years type thing, you know? And so the biggest thing for me was I wanted to create an environment where here's how we do things. Here's what's important to us. And no matter who sits in my chair, they're going to keep doing it that way. And so we really worked on it. And I, I love my building. I love my staff, my students, uh, the whole community I'm in. So that's, I mean, honestly, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I went into it knowing I wanted to be a teacher. My junior year in high school, I, I signed a scholarship that was for golden apple that was like you're going to go be a teacher we're going to pay for you to go to school you're going to teach for five years in a school of need or you're going to pay us all the money back and i signed happily like where do i where do you put me so it was it was a great opportunity i i still got friends that i keep in touch from that group of golden apple scholars and i just i love it i love teaching i love everything about it dude that's awesome man that's a great story so 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 let me ask you this so when you were just talking about climate and culture right? And you're, you're obviously in a leadership position. So for our listeners, what is something specifically that you can give us as an example that you do as a leader to address climate or culture? One of the biggest things, so I believe as a leader, it's my job to support my teachers so they can do their job. I'm just, okay. you know, take those barriers away. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I can do for climate and culture is let them know that they're appreciated. So um, like this summer, in the middle of COVID, everybody's on lockdown. We we leave the building at in March, and we don't, you know, they get to come back for like thirty minutes to cl- close up their room. Um, so this summer, I I called each and every one of them. Just I picked up the phone and called and just said, "How are you doing?" And they all thought it was like something for school, something emergent. But like, nope, has nothing to do with school. I'm asking, "How are you? How are your family? Do you guys need anything? Is there anything?" You know, knowing that mostly there might not have been a ton I can do, but I wanted to. If there was something I could do, I wanted to offer it. Stuff like that. You know, I mean, my custodians they worked all summer through the pandemic. They're they're essential workers. They're in all summer. So as soon as the restrictions got lifted enough, where I felt comfortable doing it you know, they're, they're kind of foodies too. I brought in a bunch of or slabs of ribs that I smoked on that day before so that I could warm them up for them, brought a whole lunch for them and just threw it out there, spaced out in the cafeteria so they could sit and just have a big old meal and just a way to say thank you. You know, I think that's so important. Just letting people know that they're appreciated, letting people know that what they're doing is, is working, is right, is, is valued and building that and, and modeling that so they can do the same thing for our students. You know, um, being at the front door of the building every day, that's my favorite place in the morning. I, I mean, it, my favorite thing of the day is first thing in the morning. I stand in the front door as all the kids walk in. I don't know what's going to happen once we come back to school after, you know, like remote learning because my favorite thing, I'm giving them hugs. I'm high-fiving, knuckles, you know, dancing. I got one little girl that I, she's a, her last name is King. So, I always twirl her and then get down on a knee and she knights me because she's royalty, you know? And I mean, I've been doing that with her for three years now since she was in first grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how do you, how do you do that when you can't 
like have any physical contact. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be different, but like, I'm all about just making people feel valued, making people know that what they're doing is important and hoping to put a smile on people's face, you know, every chance I get. Mm, absolutely. You know, you've heard me say it. I think everybody wants to feel valued, seen and heard. And I love the examples of what you gave because you specifically went in to address those needs. So would you feel like the phone calls that you made to the teachers, do you feel like, did you get any feedback on, did that make a difference for them? Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of staff were like, even after the phone call, that was just during the phone call. Thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. After the phone call, the teachers emailed, you know, I, I wanted to just thank you. That really meant a lot that you thought of us, thought of me. Just a couple of weeks ago, my assistant principal and I hand wrote postcards and sent each teacher a postcard that just said, thank you for what you're doing. You know, it's the beginning of the school year. It's crazy. Thank you for what you're doing. We tried to make sure it was personalized, one for each teacher. Again, teachers responded like, you know, thanks for thinking about us enough to pick up a postcard or mail it to us. Like that meant a lot. So, I mean, those little actions sometimes mean so much. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge grand gesture. Sometimes just that smile, that that pop in the classroom in the morning and say, hey, what's going on? What's, you know, and not have an agenda is, is what really um, is so important. Well, it makes it genuine and authentic when there's no agenda, right? Yeah. So what you're describing under our tools is what we call the 90-second spark. And so primarily when we we talk about little sparks, we talk about how teachers can make the students feel positive with positive interactions, those types of things. See, what you just described is what I call as big sparks. And I try to tell teachers when we train them, I said, you know, you're no different than kids. You're just bigger. So you're big kids, Mm -hmm. right? That's why I say all of y'all filled in the back. Then you filled in the wings <laughs> and a couple of you, the brown nosers filled up in the front, right? Right up in yep, the front. Yep. And then if you were late, you're like, sucks to be me because now I have to take what's left over. You'd have been on your phone looking at your crotch for 30 seconds at a time. I said, you're just like big kids. So I tell big kids need big sparks. So what you just described, Ray, is exactly what I try to preach and teach the leaders is don't forget, and particularly in the middle of this pandemic, right? And I think, I think we're doing a great job, mm-hmm. but- Teachers are big kids. They need big sparks. And what's interesting, I'll give you a little quick story for me. When I was a leader, I would say like, so, you know, uh, jeans passes, drive-by caffeine carts, you know, sonic drinks, you know, the typical things. But it was interesting because sometimes I think as leaders, we make assumptions what our staff needs to feel valued, right? And so two things, I give you an example. One, the notes were great, but one, a couple of them said, because we actually did a survey and we said, what do you need to feel valued and appreciated for working with us and giving some specific examples? And some of them said, could you just open up my door and give me the affirmation in front of my students? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. it was, I call them a drive-by, you know, a drive-by positive, drive-by affirmation, right? And I was like, to be honest, that is so much easier for me and my personality than a note. I can open up yep. doors and be like, hey, Ray, you rock it here. We love having you here, man. You're so successful, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. And and some some teachers love that. But the biggest fun story I had about a big spark was, is we were talking with the teachers. And now remember where I'm at. I'm in South Central Texas, San Antonio. And so uh, the weather's a little bit different than Chicago at times. And so, yeah. And they said, I said, what do you want? And they said, can we have iced tea? And I was like, what? They're like iced tea. And then they were like, well, somebody said, can we also have lemonade? I was like, so hold up. You want iced tea and lemonade? And they were like, yeah. I said, 
Okay. Ray, in a million years, I never would have picked iced tea and lemonade. Not, not on a regular basis. I would have done it for a meal or something, mm-hmm. but they were like, can we just have it like on a consistent basis? So I went to my parent organization, got $500, went to the restaurant supply store and got those like punch bowls that rotate water front and yep. back yep. and got a, got a double head one and put lemonade on one side, uh, tea on the other. The food service department made it in the morning. And then we just filled it up and went to Costco and got big old country town lemonade and Tea is cheap. And they were making like Arnold Palmer's tea and lemonade mixtures, you know, stuff like that. But it's so crazy because I thought to myself, if we wouldn't have asked, we wouldn't have known. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, we've done the the coffee cart in like teacher appreciation week. That's my favorite thing to do is the coffee cart. But like I had an assistant principal who wanted to do it one year before school started, like when the teachers are all in their meetings and stuff, I'm like, nope, this only happens in front of the kids. Like we do not bring it into the car, into the classroom unless there's kids in that classroom. And she's like, why? I'm like, trust me, you'll see. And so the first cart we walk in the classroom, all the kids are like, oh, and I'm like, your teacher is so amazing. We wanted to give this to her. You guys take care of her. Make sure she has a special day because she deserves it. You know, I go into classrooms all the time. I pop in and, you know, I mean, especially the first, second grade classrooms, the kids like jump up and want to give me hugs. I'm like, no, 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 no. Sit down. Your teacher will get mad at me i'll get in trouble and they're like but you're the principal i'm like but this is her classroom and we gotta listen to what she says here so don't get me in trouble because i want to be able to come back you know and so i mean i think you're right in front of the kids it's so huge we did root beer floats you know what the important part of the root beer floats was not that we had them was that i served them i sat oh, yeah. there in the cafeteria and oh, i yeah. made them for every teacher and they thought that was the cool part not that they got a root beer float just that i was willing to take the time and sit there with them and have that conversation while i was serving it to them no i <clears throat> ray i love them and 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 I'm not even like, those are all great. What I took away from this though is, is they were like, you don't need to serve it to us. We don't just have it accessible for yeah. us. If we can have unlimited tea and lemonade. And then after, after about three months, they were like, can we start getting chocolate? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what do we need here? So it was yeah. crazy. I, ha- I literally had some teachers when we were piloting restorative practices on our campus, they came down to visit us and in our teacher's lounge. We called it a hospitality lounge. Um, There was no joke. They went in there and I said, Hey guys, I want to bring you into our hospitality lounge. And I'm not making this up. They went in there and they were like, Oh, and I was like, there's tea, there's lemonade, there is chocolate. And I said, and it looks like today we have the nacho machine and (laughs) popcorn machine out. And so these teachers, these were not administrators, teachers that come all the way from Binghamton, New York, were sitting in there and you could hear the conversations. They were like, does this happen all the time? I'm like, yeah, like this is, we, we, you know, it, and they're like, how do you pay for this? And I said, well, we, we either parent organization, we do have a company down the street, um, rack space that donates some money for our teachers and stuff. I said, but we try not to wait till teacher appreciation, you mm-hmm. know, because sometimes, you know, I don't know whoever determined, you know, dumb teacher appreciation should be like, oh, in May, May, I feel like sometimes they need to be shot because I'm like, May's the worst month. I know mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, May's the longest month. That's why we want to celebrate you. I'm like, so I started going to my parent organization and said, look, can we spread those five meals out that you mm-hmm. were going to feed us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And can I have five meals over five months? Because my teachers need to feel appreciated on a regular basis. Does that yep. make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, one of the first, one of the things I do in my building every day, I make coffee. Just I have a, a pot of coffee constantly going in the office. They know it's for any teacher to walk in. My secretary got mad at me because I was 
bringing in the big Costco thing of coffee. And she's like, Ray, you can't keep buying that. I was like, no, it's no problem. I just, I want it for the teachers. So she, you know, put a slot in the top of one of the empty cans and said, you know, please add money if you want, if you want. And I was like, Reggie, I'm never taking that money. Like, this is my way of just giving back to the teachers like and just having a, a made pot of coffee for the teachers you would have thought i gave them race because they were just like the one teacher looked at me she goes you realize by you doing that i don't have to stop at dunkin donuts every morning which takes seven minutes off my commute which means i will get to work get to get my coffee and be happy without having to pay for it like you don't know how much that means to me i was like hey it's fine with me and then they all laugh because i don't drink coffee so they're like how do you know how to make it i'm like i can read the back of a can <laughs> So wait a minute, Ray. So hold up, brother. You're doing all of this and you don't even drink coffee. I can't stand the taste of coffee. Oh my God. Okay. Now that's why I'm laughing because I don't drink coffee either. I have tried it so many different ways. I call it the back end. It's like bitter. I don't know what it is. Yes. No. Ray, I've tried it chocolate. People are like, try it this way. I've tried it. The front end will be like, Ooh, sweet. And then the back end, I'm like, there it is. There's that coffee. My wife, my wife loves coffee. And she's like, Ray, you got to get one of these. I'm like, no, I don't like it. And she'll like, she'll like, try this, try this. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And like you said, the first taste, like, Oh, that's not, Oh, there's the bit. I don't want it. You know? Oh, so Ray, man, a a leader that is making coffee and investing in coffee, even though it's not even, because I know some principles that are like, I'm a big coffee drinker, so I'll just make extra. Uh, kudos to you. That is awesome story. To, at the end of the line, the punchline is, I don't even drink coffee either. Nope. I, I can't stand coffee, but yeah. I know it's one of those things. They love it. So you make one, two pots a day and just let it be going in the office all day. They love it. Yeah. So what we're also talking about is, I always say, Ray, campus connections before student connections. Because yeah. campus connections, adults, once adults can, can make connections with each other, you mentioned earlier, you actually said it, you said modeling, then they model. Because a lot of times if I can go into a campus and they're like, how are we going to take this relationship approach? And I'm like, well, my approach is differentiation. Every campus is different, right? You, 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 you know this, the culture, the climate, as you mentioned earlier, how we, how we feel about things and how we do things. What's all on our plate? Do we have too many things on our plate? Like, I have been so impressed that I have literally had one or two campuses say, we want to invest in your approach, but we value it so much that we can't do it now because now would be the worst time because we've got, you know, X amount of things on our plate. And I'm like, I want to kiss them and thank them so much and just say, make sure we come back next year because they know that in order to bring this, the plate's got to be kind of minimalized or we got to start simple and we talk about campus connections. So other than you being positive with the staff, do you do, and you don't have to have an answer if you don't, but do you do anything specifically for like, not kind of team building, but connecting, allowing your adults to connect with each other? Do you do anything you know, specific I, that you can share with yeah, them? Yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to find things. Um, we, I mean, we've done the whole take a whole, take a sip day and go down to the gym and play hungry, hungry hippo on the carts, you know, as a staff, just to have some fun. Um, I believe fun is important. I really do. We get, I mean, we're at work a lot and it's stress, stressful work, you know, it's hard work. So doing it, you know, having fun. Um, I think even something simple last week, we had a staff meeting and we're over zoom, you know, and it's like, we're starting a staff meeting with the, we didn't have school Monday, Tuesday morning, first thing staff meeting on zoom. And I was like, I cannot sit and talk at these people. Like it just is not going to work. So we did, we, I will, I'm part of a a mastermind group. And I was like, let's do a mastermind. Like, let's just bring them in, say, okay, we're going to break you into your breakout rooms. And we want you guys to talk, just talk to each other, just connect. If you run out of things to talk about, 
here's a topic you can talk about. Like, let's talk about how to instruct context clues. But guess what? If you don't get to that because you're talking about what you did over the weekend, take that time to do it. And staff were like, you're really giving us time to just talk. I'm like, do you know how important that is? You guys are sitting in your houses isolated with your families. Like, yes, you need to be able to do that. You know? So I do think I try to give them those opportunities to connect. We, I mean, besides the structure of our school day where I make sure their plan times on teams are the same, right. they have their PLC time, like some of that stuff, but just in general telling, giving you, you told me this months ago, sometimes teachers just need permission, Ah, literally giving them the permission to say, Hey, we're going to just talk and have some fun right now. That's okay. Like do that. Yeah. Um, power, power and permission. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here, hearing from Ray, the top dog says, Hey, go into these breakout rooms and just talk. They're like, yeah okay. And you're like, no, I really want you to, which is interesting, right? Because I found when we had to move from live trainings to zoom trainings, we, we, in our live trainings, I know you've never participated in our trainings, but if we were live and we were doing 60 people, we, I would have brought six other trainers and you would have heard information. And then you would have broken out to an individual group in a 10 to one ratio. So when we went to zoom, we were like, well, let's just do the same thing. And one of the things that I look forward to is we call them SGF, small group facilitators. All they are is classroom teachers right now or people on my team that can model all the tools and answer questions. So I have an SGF waiting in each room. But my favorite thing about being a lead presenter is, is I like to pop in those rooms when I'm hosting and I go mm-hmm. in there and I just sit there and I, and like you said, and I, and I, and I throw a wrench in it. I'm like, is that your dog? And they're like, yeah. yeah. Or I'm like, how old is your baby or whatever? And they're, and then I, you know, we spend three minutes going down the bunny hole of talking about whatever. And they're like, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm horrible at this, you know, but I, and, and by the time I come back, I know their first name. I know something about them. And so as we, we, we specifically and intentionally have about six breakouts during the day. And so I go to a room, a different room each time. And that's how I've learned to get a I guess connected to my participants. Mm-hmm. So then when I go back to whole screen, I start calling on first names and I start talking about things. And I'm like, right, John, we were just talking about that in the room or whatever it is. And I am with you. I think even if it's going to be virtually giving us those opportunities to just connect in a small group with no agenda, sometimes just getting to know you, those GTKY moments, I think yeah. that is that is brilliant for you to, to, to realize where your staff was and, and to meet their needs. Nice yeah, job. I mean, at the end of last year and, and last year, we we would start every staff meeting with like a community circle. And, you know, and I was always trying to like, you know, find something educational to do with it. And like this year, literally one of the community circles was what's your guilty pleasure TV show. And it was hilarious watching them give the answers. And, you know, my assistant principal, he's like general hospital and they all lost it because he, I mean, he's ex-Marine, you know, he's, he's 50 <laughs> years old almost. And he's like, yeah, I, I love that show. And they all just like were looking at him like, what? Like, you know, like it was so funny. When he told me that, I about fell out of my chair. I was like, General Hospital, that is awesome. He's like, you watch Below Deck, just stop. And I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but okay, Ray, but here's the deal. Okay, I think what you just illustrated with that story is exactly what I try to get educators to understand. Sometimes, Ray, it just takes one. Qu- the question here's the deal: like when you do circles and you have conversations, the questions start the conversations, but the answers shape the conversations, mm-hmm. right? And what your staff and even you, to a certain extent, 
what you were able to see this assistant principal as is you reshaped your vision of him because you saw him differently based on one simple question and one response. Because if you go back to our first episode where Joe Beckman talks about extraordinary pieces being versus ordinary, right? What he did is when you asked that question, we gave ordinary answers. And so when you're ordinary, it's genuine, it's authentic. And if it's really ordinary and you typically try to portray yourself as not ordinary, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're like, okay, so he does, like he does have feelings. He does care. He does have an emotional side or whatever, whatever allows you to think. Or you're just like, holy crap, I do too. Now we can talk about General Hospital on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, you know what? He's a very reserved, very thoughtful. He's in his head a lot. So with him, like when he said that was his answer, you know, I was like, you got to make sure you tell the staff that. And he's like, what? I'm like, you got to, that's a way for them to see you as, and he goes, it's human. I'm like, exactly. Make your, you're making yourself human again, you know, because he is so reserved and, and quiet that that was important that he got to show his human side. You know, I loved it. Yeah, no, I, and that's why I say, but but some people think like it takes this long process. It could literally happen in one moment with one simple question. But I love what you what, what you did, Ray, is because none of this would have happened if you weren't intentional. And mm-hmm. I and I've said this before. My one of my quotes I use all the time is, "You can't wing relationships." For some of us, it's natural, but for a majority of us, building and sustaining relationships is not something that naturally happens. And you know as well as I do, when you go to leading a staff, you have all these different personalities, biases, beliefs, and ideas. So to put to try to build relationships accidentally with them would be f- f- frugal. Mm-hmm. Like so, for the fact that you intentionally said hey, here's what we're going to open up with. Instead of something about like, uh, I because rem- so funny is when you said that, I'm thinking, I remember one of our staff meetings and our principal's like, all right, we're going to talk about, um, what is it? A, a closed mindset versus fixed mindset versus, you know, growth mindset. And so we spent the first 20 minutes talking about that. And then it was like, yeah, why can't we just talk about our guilty pleasures or something yeah. else personal? Because that's what we really, that's how we're really going to connect more than growth mindset or fixed mindset. So yeah, kudos. I mean, it- we do. We plan out like what question we're going to ask because we want to be very intentional of what is our purpose of this? Is it something where we want to make sure they're connecting with each other? Is it something we want to, you know, sometimes there are the times where we have to go, okay, we're going to talk about this topic. So I want to start with this question and kind of open it up. But usually it's like, this is a chance for us to connect. Let's figure out a question that is going to open up somehow. So yeah, it's well, got to be intentional. And that's why, and that's why I would say GTKY, just get to know you. If you can do a GTKY style question, then it, and I tell them, so when teachers are like, what exactly is that? I'm like, one, it's non-academic. It's non-academic. It's not core-based. It is nothing to, no trauma. No, don't, don't think about trauma. It is a simple, just get to know you. Just those simple. And for some teachers that say, well, I don't know what to ask. That's when we try to give them a resource, you know, because, you know, my thought is after being in education like you for over 20 years, I think majority of our teachers just want to do a good job, but a lot of them don't know exactly how to do all the stuff that we're asking. So I always say teachers are great soldiers. Just tell them what to do, right? And they'll go do it, right? So you, but you, but here's the deal. That means you have to tell them to go build a relationship with the kid. And if they say how, you're like, I may have to show you how or, or what question I use. And sometimes you can model it in it 
it's supposed to be inferred and they still don't do it. So have you ever had, have you ever had to work with a teacher that struggled to build relationships and possibly connect with kids? Have you ever had to deal with that scenario? And if you did, how did you help the teacher in, in, in any form of just your experience? How did you help them? Yeah. So I can think of one in particular, this teacher was, he was a really, really nice guy but he was all about content. I mean, it was all content and it was middle school um, and just complete content. And he had some students that really struggled in his classes and they struggled behaviorally in his class because there was no connection. And so, you know, this so story, the student that he had would walk into class every day, literally walk into the door, give the teacher the bird. The teacher would send him to the office. And so I'd get the kid. And so I would get all his work and I'd sit in the office and I'd help, you know, get him to his work and he'd do his work and then we'd get, take him back to the next class. So after like four days of this, I was like, all right, this isn't happening tomorrow. So he walks in, he gives the teacher the bird. I'm already standing outside the door and the teacher goes out. I'm like, nope. And I walk in, I go sit down and I sat down in the class next to him. And we're like, we're going to stay here today. And he's like, okay. And the kid's just looking at me. And <laughs> the best part was, is as we're sitting there, the teacher had a Green Bay Packers banner in the corner of his classroom. He was a Packer fan. And I looked at the student. I go, hey, don't you like the Packers? He's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, so how come you and Mr. can't talk about that? And he's like, well, he, I've never asked him. I'm like, why don't you ask him? He's like, well, he's teaching right now. I'm like, I know. Raise your hand. Ask him. And so he raises his hand and he asks him about the Packers as they're just starting in class and he's like he's like yeah i'm a packer fan and all of a sudden the whole relationship just changed and i talked to the teacher afterwards i'm like hey you know i hope you don't mind i told him to ask you about that and he's like no it actually was really good i'm like yeah i'm like the kid is a good kid he just you and him haven't figured out how to talk to each other so let's work on that and so we literally like talked about okay tomorrow in class what's something you can do to connect with that kid like let's find something right now You're like i'm going to tell you some things about this student you i want you to try them tomorrow and so for the next couple of days, we literally would plan out how he was going to talk to that kid as he walked in the door. What am I going to talk to him about as he's walking in the door? So that way we, we eliminate that. I don't want to be in your class. So I'm going to give you the bird and you're going to kick me out to what's something we can talk about to make this kid feel like he's valued in your class. You want to see who he, you want to see him as a student in your class. Like, what is that? And so we really worked on that. And this, the teacher was great. Shocking. There were other students who absolutely love this teacher that I never thought would love him, but they always found every time I would ask a student, like, so how do you like, you know, how do you like him? He's like, Oh, I love him. He's a fan of, or he talked about this. And so they found something that they connected with him with. And so that was what we worked on is just building those connections with kids, like find something that, you know, like that, what is it? Two by 10 model of like, I'm going to take, you know, talk to a student two times, you know, two minutes, 10 days in a row about yeah, a topic, yeah. you know, just, just little things like that to try to build that idea of like, make that student know that you're seeing them as a person and, and you connect with them. Yeah. And, and see, that kind of goes back to, we were just bragging on the Mr. Joe Beckman when he talked about the Ford. Do you remember that one when he talked about uh, F-O-R-D? So he said, when teachers struggle to be ordinary and he said, and they go, I don't know how to do that. He said, give them the Ford model so they can either talk about their family, occupation, uh, recreation or dreams. And so he was like, 
like everybody can have one of those things. And so I love when you were working with the teacher, how you were intentionally helping trying to figure out how to connect with this kid and kudos. You, you had a teacher that was receptive because I have, I have worked with teachers that have not been receptive that would have said, see, that didn't work. And so, you know, it, it turned into a negative. And one of the things that I, I struggled, I struggled with particularly when I started working in the consulting world was is getting very reactive and defensive when teachers would mm, not listen or digest some of the mm-hmm. suggestions that I was giving them. It was immediately shot down with like this will never work. You know, that's what have you ever run into stuff like that, Ray? Well, it's funny you say that. That teacher and I did not see it eye to eye my whole first year I worked with him. Like, okay. I, I struggled to connect with him. And so this was like the third year we had worked together. Well, I was able to figure out how to build a relationship with him. And ah. so if I would have tried that my first year with him, I'm telling you right now, he probably would have gone to the union and tried to get me fired for not taking the kid out of class and everything. But I had worked with him enough to build that relationship where he... I think he trusted that I, w- I had his best intentions in mind as well as the students. And so I was just looking at a different idea. So you're right. There were times where him and I did not see it eye to eye. He was a former Dean of Students and he was a very black and white, you do this, here's your consequence. And right. that's not how, that's not how I, I am. That's not how I want to be. And right. so we did not see eye to eye in things. But what we had to come to is we're both trying to do what we think is best for the student. We're just different ways of getting there. So let's figure out how we can find the common things we need. And that's that student's got to be in class. So how do we do that? Or that student's got to get that connection. How do we do that? And once we did that, I mean, this guy was really a great teacher. Kids, you know, like he, he had a different sense of humor and you had to try to show him how to connect that with his students. But it started with him and I connecting because prior to that, like I said, it could have been a really rough conversation if I didn't do that or if I didn't already build that relationship. Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick follow-up to that. And then I'm going to ask you one question. Cause you mentioned something. If I, if I would have done this earlier. So here's, what's interesting when I was at Ed White and we were piloting this for whatever reason, I don't remember the exact circumstances, me and the librarian just got off on the wrong foot. And what's interesting, it's the library. Not that I, I'm I'm saying, in other words, like leave the library alone, right? But for some reason, under my responsibilities this year, I was given the library. And with a new librarian, she had a new way of doing things, thought different. And she she was different in, in the way that she connected with the staff. And so I was just getting this feedback like, oh, the librarian doesn't let us come down and check out books. She doesn't let my kids do this and this. And I'm like... I'm like, I don't really want to get involved with the library. You know what I mean, Ray? Like, that's mm-hmm. just one of those things, like, it needs to be on autopilot. And she, like, it, it typically runs by itself, right? So I don't know what happened. I can't remember all the circumstances. Bottom line was her and I got sideways. Well, and I would tell you, Ray, to the point where when I saw her, I'd just go the other way. I would just be like, I, I really, and this was interesting. We were, it was the first year that we were piloting restorative discipline, restorative practices, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a consultant from the University of Texas and, you know, and, and in one of our meetings, they would always sit in with our leadership meetings and take notes and wanted to hear stuff. And so I think somebody had said, how's you and the librarian? And I'm like, ah, shut up, you know, whatever. They're making, throw a little shade at me, right? And yeah. she was like, so what's going on, Kevin? This, this consultant and her name was Stephanie. And she was like, I think I could help you with that. And I was like, what are you going to do? She goes, well, you know how you do circles with the kids to repair harm. I think I could do one. And I was like, shut up. And she was like, (laughs) no. In fact, then my principal was like, Kevin, I think it would be really great for you to be the 
first participant in the adult repair harm circle. And I'm like, I don't feel like this is being a choice anymore. But long story short, she did the preparation, which talked to me, talked to her individually. Then she brought them together. And I will tell you, Ray, that one conversation not only healed and repaired, it just made us see both perspectives and had an appreciation for both of our jobs of what we were trying to do. And so it did. It just took one conversation and, and, I wasn't looking forward to it, but now that I've been a participant in that, I'm much, I'd much rather do that than take the energy to avoid and all that other yeah. stuff. But oh, yeah. you mentioned something. You said, man, if I'd have done this earlier. So what would Ray, if you had to go back to your first year of being an administrator, what would you whisper in that first year administrator's ear of Ray? What would you tell yourself as you go into your first year of administration? Be human. Be, Be human? human? Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not going to lie. My first year walking as assistant principal, I shirt and tie every day, refuse to dress down. Like I still to this day, don't wear jeans. I just, it's, it's a personal thing I have, but my, my wife about halfway through that first year bought me Converse to wear like, you know, some Chucks and that was my Friday shoe. So whenever all the teachers dressed down, I would wear my Converse with my dress clothes and students and teachers would notice it. And what I realized was it was, I, I had to be human and connect. I couldn't, I thought of myself, I had to be like that professional administrator, like buttoned up, straight, couldn't. And I realized like, no, that's not me. That's not who I am as a person. So I, it's fake. And B, it's not letting people get to know me. And it's not letting me get to know them. And so then I couldn't find those ways to connect and those things I needed to do with them. So yeah, just be human. Like when you walk in, Get to know people on a human level, not on you're the fifth grade math teacher, you're the seventh grade social studies teacher. Like, get to know them on you're a father of two and your daughter actually has leukemia. You're a, you know, like whatever the stories are, uh-huh. know the stories, know the people and let them know your stories and what's going on with you. And it's, it, it undoubtedly changed everything I thought about when I, started looking at things from that perspective of like, I need to be human. Like I need to like, not try to be something I'm not. I need to let them know that I'm just like them. I'm thinking similar things. Um, So how did did we get there, Ray? How did we get the new Ray? What flipped? So, well, one, um, my first year, I think if I would have not figured that out, they would have run me out of the building. Like legit first week of school, I go in first, I'm, I'm walking around the building and all the male teachers are wearing like cargo shorts and like polo shirts, like first week of school. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what, why aren't we wearing dress clothes? Like, why aren't we dressed professionally? Like what's going on here? And so I start calling them in one at a time to have that conversation with them. And a guy who I went to high school with, he was a few years older than me. So we weren't friends by any means, but I knew him. Like we knew families. Um, who was really welcoming to me when I got to the school, he comes in, he's one of the kids I got to talk to. So I, I call him in and I'm sitting down with him and I'm having the conversation about like, explain to me, like I wasn't disciplining. I wasn't telling they couldn't. I was just, please explain to this to me. And, and he, he looks at me and he goes, you know, um, this staff's gotten a lot of administrators fired before. So just, you know, be careful. Now at the time I was thinking he was giving me a word of advice, like nicely, which I realized he was sent by the staff to like give that warning shot across the bow. And I, and so then as I was going through um, my superintendent at the time, 
we have a very strong union and it, it, my, like my talking about dress code, different things like that, like made it to the union exec, like, which made it to my superintendent and my superintendent shows up at the labor management meeting that we have for our building every month where it's administrators and the labor um, leaders, the union reps. And she goes, Ray, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to model this. And I want you to listen to what I'm telling you when you do this. She goes, first of all, we're not going to respond to any one of the complaints they have. We're just going to listen. And I'm like, but what if they're wrong? She'll stop. We're just going to listen. And I was like, okay. And she literally like held my hand. It was like, this is what you need to do. And throughout the years, she would give me little advice of like, is this, is this, you know, like why why are you making that decision? Why are you having that conversation? And then watching how I did start to relate with certain staff members and what I was getting and then how I could build off those relationships to other staff members, I realized it's about the relationships. Like, why am I thinking it's different than what I did with my students? Mm-hmm. Like, as my students, I never would have thought that. But I thought when I went into administration, like, I had to be, like, above board. And I had to be, like, something that I wasn't even comfortable being. So it was really, I mean, it was funny now to look back on. And then my second year, probably the best advice I got, which kind of, like, put a big bow on all of it, was actually with Jeff Prickett, Dr. Prickett. He was my principal that I was working for that year. He, he got moved to our building. And I don't even know what the topic was, but I went into his office ready to go chew some teacher out. And he goes, close the door. And I close the door and he goes, is this the hill you want to die on? And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, is this the hill? Is this the argument you want to go die on? He goes, if it is, let's go. We'll go, we'll go pick that fight. He goes, but I'm going to tell you right now, over my years, I learned unless it's going to affect your mission and your vision, then there's a better way sometimes. Sometimes you don't pick that fight. And I'm telling you to this day, when something happens that upsets me or something happens that I think needs to change, I think to myself, is it affecting my mission of vision? Is this the hill I want to die on? And most of the time, if I can say no, which usually is the case, I can figure out a better way to deal with it and not not go the old Ray. <laughs> so it was really just, I mean, man, learning under fire. Like they, I, I tell you, if I didn't, they would have got rid of me by Christmas. Gotcha. Wow. Well, so what you just described is I'm actually releasing on Monday. I talked about react versus respond, right? Mm-hmm. You know, respond is that logical pause of like, okay, let me think through this. And so Dr. Prickett's wisdom, right, gives you the ability to pause and to think about those things. And sometimes that's all we need because I'm very reactive. I, you know, I'm a, I was a football coach in Texas for 10 years. And so I was that typical, like, nose to nose, toes to toes. I tell them the face mask just kept you from me getting any closer to you. That was, <laughs> wasn't about the other opponent. But what I would realize is as I got older, if I would pause, if I could just pause just long enough, right, Ray, then then something hopefully, and I call that maturity, that was for me. Yeah. Maturity would kick in just a fraction of enough to make me think what Jeff just gave to you, right? Which is sometimes that just a phrase, whatever it needs. So that, that, wow, man, thanks for sharing with that. Think that that is, that is something that we can all grow from. Um, And how many times I tell people all the time, when you become an administrator, you automatically gain the respect by the title. In other words, it's given to you. I mean, the authority, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what you do with it is up to you. And, and that's where I try to guide leadership, right? Like, do you abuse it? Do you affirm it? Do you build relationships on it? You know, um, and I think that if I were to look back and whisper something to myself as a first-year administrator, I think I would have said, be a better listener, 
because sometimes we come in with this laser focus of like, this is the way I have a vision and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And, and you don't, you hear them, but you don't listen to them. And, and so uh, I think, I, I think as, sometimes being a better listener and listening. And, and I will tell you, I think, well, I mean, so let me clarify. We're with you, with, with Dr. Prickett at the middle school when he took that job? Were you with him yes, there? Yes, Okay, because that's the job that he didn't stay at. And he said, and he told me on our show, he said, if I could have done one thing, I should have listened to my community, right? Because yep. that was the one campus. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I feel the same way. I feel like I need to, so I think we're both saying, listen, Listen, yeah. right? Listen, listen to your community. Listen, don't have to know it all and be human. Yeah. Well, it was so funny because when I first started, I, I'd get blinded by my passion. I'm, I'm passionate. Like you, I used to coach football. I coach baseball. Like I'm, I'm aggressive. I mean, in eighth grade, I remember with my, well, you know, back in eighth grade, you had girlfriends that you like, you held hands, but like, I remember we were playing basketball, like two on two with a couple of another couple that we were friends with. I'm the guy who gets so competitive, jumped up and blocked the ball into her face. Like <laughs> I, 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 I just, I get going. And, and so learning how to step back, like you said, listen, take that moment. But it's so funny because I had a teacher that was trying so hard to be that teacher that, you know, doesn't smile to December because they were a first year teacher mm-hmm. and that's what they were told. Right. And I, I remember going to him and saying like, that's not you, man. You're the guy who has a guitar in the back of your classroom, play your guitar, like connect with the kids and with what's what be you. But yet then I, I wasn't doing the same thing. So I really had to like, look at what I was doing and say, mm-hmm. okay, is that me? Is mm-hmm. that what I, you know, is that what I'm telling my teachers? Cause I know that works with them. No, it's not. So let's change what I'm doing. Yeah, you might. You, once you start, once it clicks for you, you're like, wait a minute, why am I even doing this? Am I? I'm talking about it, but yeah. am I modeling it? Not only am I modeling it, am I really believing what I tell them? And then I'm not preaching what I'm teaching, right? Correct. So, Correct. so, so then think about that. Okay. So I always ask a lot of my guests, particularly if in education, is a question. So then, why isn't it happening, Ray? Why is it so hard to get relationships to the center of learning? Why? What? What are some of the obstacles? What is your philosophy? I'd really love to hear this because we've never talked about this before. What are some of the barriers that are keeping relationships getting to the forefront and making relationships first in the classroom? Honestly, it's that accountability piece. It's the the standardized test, the high stakes test, the, you know, here's what we need to we have. And, and it's so, we all know it, you know, I mean, I think you and I both will say, if the kids are connected, the kids relationships are built, they're going to score better because they're going to learn more, you know, but you know, I mean, even in my, my current position, like I try to push that so hard, but then I also know we get a scope and sequence that says on day two of the year, here's what you're teaching. And it's like, but they need a week, two weeks to build connections, to make relationships. Like, why are we even talking curriculum, you know? Um, and so we've gotten better as a district. We've pushed stuff back. We've started, but it's still, it's still looming. Even though I'm telling people like build the connections, make the connections first, it still looms, you know, and it's still, it's still there. Cause like, I mean, my evaluation is based on how our kids score in a way. That's part of it. My teacher's evaluation is based on how the school's scores, you know, like they know it, even though I'm probably, and I'm, and, you know, if my, my bosses hear this, they're probably not going to be always happy, but I'm not the guy who's like cheering, like, Hey, we have to do really well on this test. Like I know it. And I tell them that, but everybody knows, like, it's not my number one priority. My number one priority is we got to teach these kids. We got to connect with them. We got to build relationships. If we're doing that, they're going to learn, you know? So I believe if you're doing the right work, it's going to take care of itself, but that takes time. And sometimes it's that we need that immediate fix. You know, we need that like right now, you know, your school is a school that's identified. 
what are you doing to fix that this year? Well, we're building relationships, but guess what? It's going to take more than a year to fix that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I appreciate my district because my superintendent gets it. I mean, he tells all the time to do the right work, you know, and and he, he totally gets it, but we still have curriculum. We have to follow. We still have pacing guys. We have to follow. We still have things we have to do. And we still have those tests that we have to take. You know, that's, Honestly, that's one of the things I'm really excited about this year with COVID. <laughs> like, I know COVID's a bad thing. It's not good. But we're not taking the MAP test. It's like we do three times a year. Right. We didn't take it in the fall. There's a good chance we're not going to take it in the winter. Or we might. I don't know. But our SIP plan, our plan for school improvement, is based on curriculum and assessments that we give. They're part of our core. Like, this is what we already do. Mm-hmm. So when we got to build our SIP plan, it wasn't like, okay, X number of students are going to do better on the test that really is a one-day test that determines how they're, you know, it's, it was more now it's okay. We're going to implement these strategies. We're going to monitor it based on what we're already doing. And hopefully we're going to see the results because we're working on the process, not on the result. Yeah. You know, you know, I, there was something, um, it was a video one time on Nick Saban and they did an interview after he won his umpteenth national championship. And he says, I don't focus on national championships. I focus on the process. Yeah. If you focus on the process and the process is correct, then you'll get the product. Right. But I don't focus on national championships. And it's, it's just ironic. When I heard this video, I actually, I couldn't figure out how to download it. So I made a recording on my phone of the TV and I would show this a lot. And I think this was 2015. And so what's interesting, Ray, is how many schools, how many coaches, how many programs out there that do something outside the box and we all get enthralled, like, oh my God. And, and, and Nick Saban is, is an amazing coach. So it's not, even, but it, what's crazy is he just has a different approach at it, but mm-hmm. we all emulate it. We celebrate it. He gets on 60 minutes. He has all these, these things, but yet, we don't do, we don't replicate it. And so I've always struggled because when I left the box and left schools, the school system and went into working in the school system to make a difference, I started recognizing, I'm like, all the boxes are the same. And that's why I developed like a call, the three zones of learning connection or connect content and, and correct because every school is evaluated on content scores, assessments, right? And then every school is evaluated on attendance, behavior, discipline referrals, disproportionality. There is no evaluation for connections or relationships. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, until we de-emphasize the content and we at least acknowledge some accountability for connections, we're going to be stuck. Because I know this about teachers. If it does not impact my job performance specifically, then I know I don't have to do that. Now, you can tell me it's best practices, right, Ray? Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me when I get evaluated, if there's no relationship report or accountability for connections, and I'm not accountable for doing it, and it's something you recommend versus require, then it's optional. The minute relationships are optional, we're never going to see the change that we need because we're going to continue to chase that cycle. And notice what you just said I have yet to see a campus improvement plan, right? That said, we, and the, and, and, and the top focus is to be improve relationships and connections with our students. I have never seen that, mm-hmm. but yet we like to talk about, well, you know, that would get us improvement, but yet 
do we not have the the cojones to write it down and to put it into play and say, I'm going to put that on my campus improvement plan because some people may not work in a district like yours that has a supportive superintendent that said, this is your plan to improve, build, mm-hmm. improve relationships and connections. Like to put that in writing and to say that has that much meat and accountability to make a change. I think, it, and again, it's the process, not the product. What's your thoughts? No, I agree completely. I think we we need to focus on that. We need to make that our our focuses. The hard part, I get it, is is you know when I look at doing that, it's how do you measure that? And that's the part that like that's where you get caught. Like I want yep. to do it, but how do you measure it? Well, we I agree. Can't measure it. Well, then we can't do it. So you know, I mean, that's the the really the the challenge. Now we're getting there. Like we've started bringing in our students are taking like some of those surveys like panorama now where they're, they're evaluating their relationship with teachers. We're looking at that data. We're having those discussions. Um, One of the ones we just talked about with my school improvement team this week was a lot of our students say the teachers ask them how they're doing in the morning. They, 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 they're connecting, they're trying to make that connection. The downside is not all the students feel that the teachers want to hear the answer or really are worried about what the answer they're asking because they know they're supposed to, but the the students aren't feeling the investment that they need to. Mm -hmm. So we had that conversation of, okay, let's, let's make sure we're, we're given the full connection. We're not just going through the process. We're given that full connection. So I think we're starting to get there where we're looking at some of those things and going, okay, how can we, how can we monitor this? How can we um, measure this? And then can we do this? And so I, I think it's possible. I think it's going to be, I, I think it's going to happen. I think this year is opening the door for it because I agree. We're, 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 we're not limited by the normal restraints we normally would be because we have to adapt to what's going on in the society. No, I totally agree with you, Ray. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I totally no. agree. I think it was for me for the last five years, trying to bring relationships to the center of learning and classrooms has been tough already, already. Then you put us in the middle of pandemic, it's become tougher, but yet at the same time, I feel like it's cracked open a a bigger gap now for people to go, Holy crap, we need relationships now. You know, we need to focus on connectionships. Right. So, so I do think that there is, there is a silver lining, unfortunately, through this whole pandemic. But what's interesting, Ray, and I'm going to throw something out at you, and maybe you can disagree. Seriously. I agree. Panorama is one of the only you know softwares out there that kind of does in that area. But let me ask you a question. You and I, both and I coach football and baseball, okay? If you took a kid and you worked on a drill and you just saw, and you did this drill and you just saw improvement, right? But you couldn't rate the improvement. You know, I couldn't rate the offensive block or, you know, I could do it with the batting average or certain things, but if you mm-hmm. could just do it, I guess what I'm saying is if we're waiting for an accountability tool to measure it, what, it, then it, then it kind of defeats the purpose of saying we know it's in our best interest to build and sustain relationships with kids and connect with them. Right. Yep. Yep. So, I, what I hear is, but we got to have an evaluative tool. And to me, no, that's that stupid mindset of assessments and everything else, right? You don't need a tool necessarily to evaluate it. And I think that's what happens when I work with school districts. I come in and they're like, well, how are we going to know how effective this is? And I'm like, there's a, there's a lot of different You'll things that are happening. It. You'll start to see it, right? But is there a survey? Not necessarily. But what I don't understand is, if we know in our heart of hearts that connecting with kids, as you said, what you say, the, the right work, what did you call the it? The right work. Yeah. The right, the right work, work is the right work. Right. And we know that 
period, despite what data tells us, right? We know that that's what we should be doing. Then do we need a survey or a software to tell us whether that's going to be effective or not? Because we all know it's always effective. The minute you improve relationships, how many testimonies have we given today's episode where we improved a relationship with another human being and therefore we saw increase in productivity or other connections that that person made now with other students? I have yet to hear of a personal testimony where somebody said, man, I improved relationships and connections and we went backwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't ever hear it. So I agree with you that Panorama and and whoever else is out there, I would love for somebody to help us. That's not my area. I don't do qualitative and quantitative data. That's not mine. But I would love for us because to me, schools are so stuck in that area that they're not going to readily invest funds into relationships unless there's proof. That anecdotally, we can show that you can raise scores this much and or do this, you know, whatever it is. And I'm just like, you know, it's effective. And if I build a relationship with kids every single day, like a drill, I'm going to be a better athlete, right? Well, I'm going to be a better connector. I'm going to be a better teacher. And I just, I'm sorry, that's my soapbox, but I just believe that. I I just believe that if we're going to wait on a tool, we're just putting, we're putting it off even further. And I feel like the crack is open. Now is the time to strike with relationship center learning because the test, the test walls have lowered a little bit. Would you agree Mm -hmm. with that? I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, I mean, to answer your question, though, why don't we do it? I, I mean, school districts are accountable to states and, 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 and federal. And that's where we get, I mean, we have to, you got to play the game a little bit. Amen. And, and, and I mean like that, that, you know, when I say I got to fill out my SIP form, I think if I were to go to my superintendent and my bosses say, here's what I want to do. I'm going to be, they would probably, if they did not have to answer to anybody above them at the state would probably say, let's do it. But no. they, I mean, I just had a conversation with my boss. She's like, Hey, we got to, we got to plug in your SIP plan by the end of the, the month onto the state website, you know? And it's like, okay, they're going to, you know, like, and you and I both know, is the state going to look at it? There's a good chance they're really not. But on the other side of it, if they do, I have to have something that they're going to approve or I'm going to be, you know, up in no, trouble. So no. I, I, Ray, I, I didn't, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I no, apologize. No, I got it. I, 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 I totally agree, which is why I've said until people like in Texas, Texas Education Agency, until TEA, somebody says, I'm tired. Of, here's what I'm tired. I'm tired of people talking to me about relationships and then not doing anything about it. Right. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing about the importance of it, but then nobody, there's the needle does not move. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I'm at, I I'm saying until the top starts and impl- yeah. implements this, it's never going to roll downhill because as you said, I know the game. And I played the game many times and which is why I left the game and said, I got to get out of the game because I'm a cog in a wheel of a system that is archaic and broke at times. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whether I lose customers or not for saying that, that's just the real truth. And all I know is, is until we start getting some systemic change at the top, you and I are going to be having conversations on podcasts like this for the next umpteen years talking about the importance of it. But I will tell you this. I'm encouraged by every single school district that ever reaches out to us mm-hmm. because despite what a state assessment or state organization that's looming over them, Ray, they say, Hey, I want to invest in this approach. And I know the difference, but when a school district is in two feet in, or if they're just calling me to adjust their data, 
You know, when they call me for data at the beginning, I was new, Ray. I'd be like, I'd take any business I get. Now when customers call and schools call, I want to know why. I want to know what's your purpose. I want to know what your vision is. So I almost interview them now because I got to know, are you going to be a good fit for us? Or are you just checking a box with us? I don't want to be a box checker. I don't want your money and I don't want to check a box. You want to make a difference right? I want to hear it. I want to know your why. And I want to know systemically, are you just bringing us in for one day or are you going to continue to support and give your teachers opportunity to grow in this model? And, and I will tell you, it sounds crazy, but there, I have walked away from some, some large contracts and large districts because of the fact that I, I just didn't see a, a road of success and not that I need to be successful. I want them to be successful yeah. and I could have just taken money and that's not what I want to do, right? I want to make a difference like you're doing, brother. Yeah. I mean, that's the hard part is, is making that difference and doing it and doing it within the system that we have right now, you know, yeah. and, you know. So, hey, brother, you are making a difference in your podcast. So I want to talk. I want people, we're going to spend this last part of a few minutes together. I want you to talk about your podcast and then we're going to talk about your son's podcast. All right. So let, let's, uh, you are a fellow podcaster. I want you to introduce your podcast. We're going to put everything in the show notes. I want to know how everybody can get, but here's your opportunity to shine, brother. Tell everybody about Ray and the podcast. Sounds good. So uh, John Randolph and myself, uh, we have a podcast that, that is called Life's Exponential Impact. And the, the premise of that podcast is every single person in the world in their lifetime will interact in a new interaction with a person with up to 10 to 77,000 people in their lifetime. If you think about it, if you live to be 75 and you interact with three new people a day, you, I mean, look at the number of people you can interact with. So if you can have a positive impact on each one of those interactions, you leave that person thinking of a better way to live their life, a better, make their day slightly better than, and they go on and they have that impact on someone else because you help them get there. We, one person can change the world, you know, and, and we said, it's not, it's not a matter of you have to be the president. You have to be a CEO. You have to be a superhero. Like at the grocery store, did you smile at your cashier and give them some, some grace when they made a mistake? Did you let somebody go in front of you in line at the grocery store? Cause they had less stuff and they looked like they were in a hurry and, and you, you know, I mean, little things, are you setting those examples? Are you trying to make somebody's life better? You know, and and I think it really matters. You, you know, we see it as educators because we can see the kids. And I told you, I have, I have students that I used to teach that now I know them as adults and I'm like, oh my God, amazed by their lives, you know? And so I think it's easier for us to see it, but like an everyday person who doesn't know the people, the people that they're interacting with, guess what? You can have that impact too. Cause if they go home and they have an impact on their family and improve their family's lives because of the interaction you just had with them, it's kind of like that idea of paying it forward. Like you're mm -hmm. just, you're, you're, you're getting it started. So that's the idea of our podcast is we talk about issues. We have, we've had an issue about, uh, uh, sorry, we had a episode about how do you have those conversations when you disagree? I mean, in our, in our country nowadays, if you don't agree, I hate you. Like if I don't agree with your topic, I hate you, you know? And like, no, how do you have a conversation? How do you get someone to maybe still have a better outlook, even if you disagree with them um, or how, and I'm not saying your outlook, I'm saying a better outlook. Like how do you get them to open up? Maybe, maybe it's planting that seed for 10 years down the road, but maybe that's what, you know, maybe that's your opportunity. Um, and we, we bring guests on that are making an impact. You know, I mean, we, our first guest we had on, I had to have him on was Hal Bowman. I'm like, Hal, I need the rock star teacher to come on and tell us how do you get people 
to make an impact? How do you make an impact on other people? And so we have people on talking about how they make an impact, how people have made an impact on their lives. Um, we're actually, we just had the conversation about having his daughter is 21 years old in college, having her and her boyfriend come on to talk about the perspective of uh, someone going into the workforce in the next year um, and how they feel they're going to be able to make an impact or not. And, and what they think about that idea. Cause I mean, him and I, you know, we're in our forties, we're, we're, we're working, we're established, but what does it look like for the younger generation and how, how do they see it? So what we really believe though is every day you have an opportunity, you have multiple opportunities to make a positive impact on the world. And that one positive impact, even though it might look minute to you can change the world. It's kind of like that butterfly effect. And what platforms can they check it out on? It's on Anchor. Um, it's on Apple Podcast. Um, it, you can get it on, there's seven different po- okay. uh, platforms. I always so, go to Anchor because that gives you all of them. Gotcha. Okay. So I have two questions about your co- pa- podcast. So one, what is something that from the episodes that you've recorded so far, what's something that you're taking away that like is like a, a golden moment, something that you're just like, man, I'm on this podcast. This is something I'm taking away. What's a memory that you're taking away from a good moment from a podcast episode so far? You know, um, I, we started the podcast and we thought like, this will be cool. Maybe we'll, you know, get some people to listen. And, and so seeing that people are listening, I actually had a, a friend come up and she said, I, I've, I've listened to your podcast. I was like, Oh my God, you're the one, you know? And she's it's like, no, I listened to it. And she's like, I got to tell you, it really made me think it was the, it was the episode about conflict. She goes, I, I'm dealing with someone that I interact with quite a bit that we have very different political views. And I've always struggled with how to have that conversation with them or how to have any conversation with them because I know where it's going to go. She goes, after listening to your podcast, I think I have some ideas as to how we can, how we can connect, how we can still have those conversations, but how we can do it in a civil way that is still going to have a positive impact overall. And I was like, man, that is awesome. Um, That is why we wanted to do this. And so I think that's my, that's one of them, but I will say my number one golden thing was when my son came up to me and said he wanted to start a podcast because he wants to change the world okay so right, so right there okay so there we go let's segue so tell me let introduce the audience to how that went down and then just and then enlighten us about his podcast so yeah tell us how that went down yeah so uh, you know I, I was talking to my uh wife about this podcast and i'm going to start with my assistant principal john and we're just talking about it. She goes, so what are you guys going to talk about? And, and she's very reserved. I told you she's quiet. So she's like getting on a podcast would be like torture. And so I'm like, I'm like, you know, we're just talking about how we want to make the world a better place, how we want to, how we want to grow the world. And, and so my, my son who's in third grade Leo, he, he's the sweetest, he's the most sympathetic, empathetic person I've ever met. He is amazing. And he looks at me and goes, dad, I want to start a podcast. And at first I thought he just wanted to use the boom mic, you know, like the big mic, you know, and everything. And he's, I'm like, well, dude, what do you want to start it on? And he's heard some of the conversations that I've had with, with you and other people on men and ed. And he goes, I want to talk about white, white privilege. I'm like, dude, I think that's a little like over your head, you know? And so, you know, we start talking about though, like I'm having the conversation, like, what do you think that means and everything? And so we, we realized that maybe that's something we don't want to, we don't want to tackle as a third grader and his dad. Um, and so I go, what do you want to do it on? And he goes, I go, Hey, you're starting school in a week. What if we were to do it on what it's like going to school remotely from the perspective of a third grader? And he goes, Oh, that'd be awesome. So first day of school, we, we recorded our first episode of living that online school life. And literally I 
just usually I, I press play and he grabs a mic and goes, all right, this is Leo. And um, I'm as myself, I'm living that online school life. And let me introduce you to my dad. And he just takes over and we literally will talk for 20, 30 minutes um, about what school was like that week and what he liked and what he didn't like. And it was awesome because as a principal, I'm looking at this as like, all right, I'm getting perspective from a student. As a father, I'm looking at my son who is, taking over and like running with something that I think is important. I'm trying to make the world better. And he's telling me, I mean, the funny part is, and you're going to love this. The first episode he hated first school. The first day was so frustrating. The first week was so frustrating for him. You know why? Cause he couldn't connect with any of the students in his class. Mm. He couldn't, he was so afraid he wasn't gonna be able to make friends. First day of school. How was your teacher? It was good, but it was hard. Cause I don't know what her favorite food is. Like, that's what he was mad about. Not that anything. It was that he didn't know what her favorite dessert was or her, he knew she liked tacos, but not what her favorite dessert was. And he wanted to be able to bring her her favorite dessert on parent teacher or on uh, teacher appreciation week. And he didn't know that. So it was awesome. And we've, we, every Friday night, like, honestly, we're going to get done here. We're probably going to go record an episode with him. We record an episode. I would love to get to the point where he just takes it over and all I'm doing is producing it. Like, you know, I mean, but we've had, he had my brother who's in Japan on as a special guest. And we talked about the difference between school in, in Illinois and school in Japan. And I mean, like, and he's literally interviewing my brother about what school is like in Japan and compared to uh, in the United States. It was, it's awesome to watch. He is, I mean, he, he, in every episode, he has a Leo or real fact, which is one of my favorite parts where since he was little, he'd always just make up facts about animals, like random. You never know if they were true or not. But he's also really into animals and really smart. So sometimes they were really true. And like, I, I always had to ask him, is this a Leo fact that you're just making up because you want something to talk about? Or is it a real fact that you actually know? And so now we get on the show and he starts off every show giving us his Leo or real fact where he'll tell us a fact about an animal. And I guess whether it's Leo or real. And at the end, he tells me whether I'm right or wrong. And um, even last week, he told me, he's like, eagles are the, uh, bald eagles are the biggest eagle or bird in the united in the in illinois and i was like huh so i i I don't know i'm like thinking it's possibly true but i think maybe there's a condor or something around that you know can compete with them and so i i said it was a a leo fact and he's like no i think it's real i'm like you don't even know we googled it he was right and so (laughs) and so he keeps track every time i'm wrong and every time he's right it's so much fun to do with him i'm connecting with him um we have something that we're working on together and then he he gets to produce it i and he loves tracking how many people listen to it because then he could tell me that more people listen to his than mine, um, which is fun. <laughs> oh, my God, Ray. Well, we're going to make sure in the show notes that we put both the shows so that everybody can listen to both perspectives, father and son, and hear you guys together, man. Ray, I want to thank you for your time, brother. Um, I know you have a lot on your plate. Not only, like you said, you are a father, a podcaster, a co-producer of a second podcast, and, and, and you're a full-time educator. And so I just want to thank you for your time today, Ray, man. I really... I just told you at the beginning, man, I love learning about people that I don't know a whole lot about versus bringing people on that I know. And I learned so much. I, you know, what I'm, I'm really taking away from you today is really being more intentional when we are leading. You know, that's what I'm kind of taking away from you is, as I'm reflecting, it's like, I'm leaving Ray's interview going, man, I ne- we need to think, we need to really pause and think about the choices that we make 
and how we listen to people and making it simple, like you said, to go in and say, hey, he's Green Bay, he's Green Bay. Because when you said that, do you know how many times I would talk to a kid and right before I was going in, I'd be like, let's say it was going to be Ray and John, right? I'd be like, hey, Ray, what's your favorite football team? You know, let's just say you said Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'd be like, you know, and then I'm doing a pre-conference with John and hey, what's your, and he's like Dallas. And so as soon as I come in, I'm like, I already know something right here, right? Yep. And, yep. and sometimes by bringing those two pieces together, you bring the two humans connected together. And sometimes it's in what you you pointed out earlier, it's sometimes it's the question, but it really, it's the answers that shape those connections. So uh, I'm glad you and I have made a connection to Men and Ed. I continue to um, want to follow what you're doing. And uh, you have any closing message for our audience today? Man, I, I make an impact every day. Like, and don't don't miss an opportunity. It, it, like I said, it could be something simple, like just smiling at somebody in the grocery store, but you don't know how that smile can affect their day, their life, everything. So don't miss an opportunity to make an impact. And then if you are in education, you are in a position where you're dealing with people like education is the ultimate people business. Don't forget that. Like make those connections and take those opportunities to make it an opportunity or make an impact every opportunity you get. Um, Kevin, I have loved this, man. This has been so much fun. And and I, I'm so honored to even be on the show. So oh, brother, man. thanks for hey, having me. Absolutely, man. Well, you you did exactly what you just said. You made an impression today, Ray. Hey, thanks for your time, man. And we will talk to you soon. Sounds great. All right, brother. Take care. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, the educator, the difference maker. Your time is valuable. I see time as an investment. And I want to thank you from the center of my heart for making it to the end of this episode. But please don't let this be the end of our relationship. If you have the same passion for putting relationships and connections at the center of all learning, then I need you to subscribe and share this podcast with other like-minded educators. It would be extremely helpful if you would leave a review or a comment on what you loved about the episode, or better yet, tell me what you want to hear about more in the future. This way, other educators that are searching for impactful podcasts can get a sense of what this show can offer them. You see, my hopes and prayers are that you were able to find one strategy or one idea that you could take back to one classroom to make a difference for one kid. Thanks for keeping relationships first, and we'll connect with you next time.